Father, we do thank you for this hour of worship. Thank you for the reflection of the mission trip. Thank you, O oh God, for your faithfulness as David sang of it. You've been good to us, better than we've been to ourselves. And now, Lord, it's preaching time. Would you breathe on us? Open our eyes and our ears that we may hear and see what your spirit has to say to the church. Give me preaching power and preaching permission that preaching may be done. And in the end thereof, we'll give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said amen. amen. Stay standing for just a moment and open your Bibles with me to that great book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 12 is where we continue in our exegetical work there. 1 Samuel chapter 12 where we are in a series titled The Chronicles of Saul. The Chronicles of Saul. Today we find ourselves in chapter 12 reading a lengthy passage of scripture 1 through 5. So glad to see all of our elders here today, the elder women's ministry of the church. I just want them to know how much I love them and I need them. All of your prayers. Good to see you, mothers. Amen. First Samuel 12, verse 1 through 25. If you have it, say, I got it, Pastor. Now Samuel said to all of Israel, Indeed, I have heeded your voice in all that you said to me, and I've made a king over you. And now here is the king walking before you, and I am old and gray-headed, and look, my sons are with you. I've walked before you from my childhood until this day, and here I am. So witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? Or whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? And I'll restore it to you. And they said, you have not cheated us or oppressed us nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. And then he said to them, well, the Lord is a witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, he is witness. And then Samuel said to the people, it is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, the commander of the army of Hazar, into the hand of the Philistines. 
and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and Asherahs, but now we deliver us from the hand of our enemies, and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubbabel, Badan, Japheth, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelt in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, Samuel, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Now, therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great which you've done in the sight of the Lord and asking for a king for yourselves. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God that, that we may not die, for we have added to all our sins this evil of asking a king for ourselves. Then Samuel said to the people, do not fear. You have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for they, they are nothing. For the Lord will not forsake his people, and for his great name's sake, because it, is, it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for you. But I'll teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to tag this message. The Chronicles of Saul, part three, Samuel's address at Saul's coronation, the bitter sweet news. The bitter sweet news. Today's message is a bitter sweet sermon that's preached from the lips of Samuel at the coronation of Saul, the new king. It's a difficult sermon 
Because usually at a coronation, it's a sacred and solemn ceremony with great celebration and triumph for the nation and their new people. But today, that ain't the case. No, the preacher at the coronation has a message that's going to make the nation not feel good about themselves, but rather to take inventory of their lives. It's what I call, Garcia, a bittersweet ceremony. And it's a bittersweet ceremony because God has now invited Samuel and Saul to be a part of a bittersweet ministry. Are you in here now? In fact, the truth, if it's told, uh, all of leading of God's people could be summed up in these two words, bittersweet. For only in the ministry can you experience both misery and happiness at the same time. Am I talking to you right there? Somebody listening to me will know that it's true that sometimes the sour details of pain and frustration can immediately be transformed by the sweet characteristics of a loving service encompassed by joy. Only in ministry can you experience bitterness and sweetness at the same time. In fact, life's bittersweet experiences have dropped by my door, Bruce, many a time. I remember in 1992, on the day Alex was born, my brother was murdered. Ministry is bittersweet. The call to serve a congregation is one that's always, brother pastors, bittersweet. For they can love you today, but then on tomorrow, refuse to hear anything you got to say. In fact, the bittersweet lessons of life are critical for the children of God. And we got to learn, Brother Darian, uh, from these experiences that no matter how bitter they may be, we must lean and depend on God for wisdom. Do I got any help in here today? This church, Brother Billings, is going to help us to see that discipleship in the church is also bittersweet. And we can learn that there are consequences for our disobedience and that there is mercy and grace available when we are willing to walk humbly with God even after making horrible mistakes. Are you in here today? I want y'all to know I searched hard for the meaning of this passage. And I think I got some nuggets for you. Are you ready? Five things I want to reveal to you today. Number one, how, hand, how Samuel and Saul have to handle this ministry. Samuel teaches us you got to have a resignation for ministry. Number two, Samuel's reflection. Number three, we're going to look at Samuel's redirection. Number four, Samuel's revelation. And then five, Samuel's recommendation. Let me unpack it for us as we go. Number one, Samuel's resignation. The Bible says that Samuel said to Israel, verses one through five, Indeed now, I've heeded your voice and all that you said to me about make a king over us. 
And here is your king walking before you. I'm old and gray-headed, and look, my sons are with you now. They're witnesses that I've walked before you from my childhood to this day. And here I am. If there's anybody in here that can say I took any of your stuff, speak now. That's what he says. I just, that's the Wilson summarization for verse 3. Verse 4, he's, and they said, you haven't cheated any of us, pastor. Verse 5, the Lord is a witness against you, the pastor said, and his anointed, his king, is a witness to this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they all said, yes, right, pastor, he is a witness. Can I unpack this? When we come to this verse, you actually see Samuel resign from being the last judge over Israel. Y'all seen the book of Judges? They hadn't had a king in that episode. But God raised up God-fearing people to bring leadership to the nation. But they got to the point where they didn't want no judge. They wanted a king. But then Samuel gives his whole life to the ministry. And all of a sudden, they raised up one day and said, we don't want you no more. Y'all in here now? And he's resigning, he's clearing himself of all suspicion, of all mismanagement and administration while he was leading the nation. Then he does something in 3, 4, and 5, Tong, he submits his life resume. He said, y'all seen me since a boy when my mama dropped me off at the church. And I stayed in the temple, y'all watched me grow up. And I have done nothing inappropriate all the time I was with you. He had literally asked the nation to identify anything he's ever done wrong in his family or in his office as a judge and priest during his whole tenure of leadership. And then the text says that they confirmed, watch this now, that his integrity had been intact. Come on, can I waddle right here for a minute? Israel is a witness to the integrity of Samuel as a spiritual leader and a man. Now I want you to hold on tight right here. There is no one capable in the whole nation of finding blame in him as he served over the nation. Can I tell you, it's possible to keep your integrity. And I ain't just talking about the preacher. I'm talking about every man and woman in here. It's possible. Tell your neighbor, it's possible to keep your integrity. Look, look, this too should be our example of spiritual leadership. We should strive as men and women of God to live a life of integrity before a wicked world. You can get rid of that lie talking about I just couldn't help myself. Are you in here? And we should strive to be servants who others can testify about regarding honesty, holiness, and honor. Can I say some more? But even though he kept his integrity, they didn't want him as a king, a judge. I'll come back to that piece. Samuel relinquishes his office as judge because the people want a king instead of him. 
Now, what we see in this text is what I call a bittersweet moment in the ministry of Samuel, Brother Sean. It's bittersweet because he had given the nation all of his life, son. All of his life. He dedicated to serving God's people. And now that he done got old and gray, they got no more use for him. Here I come. You better watch your feet. All of a sudden, he unwanted by those. He had given his life to taking care of. He was old now and definitely now unappreciated and is forced to take the bitter with the sweet. Y'all know this because we do our parents like this, some of all us. They good enough to raise you, put clothes on your back, shoes on your feet, get you through high school and some in college, but then all of a sudden they, they too old now and you too busy to take care of them. They done got old and gray and now they unwanted. Some of you have been here before. You've had rejection. You've had disappointment. You've had exclusion and know all too well what it means to have been wanted at one time and now rejected on another. The ministry of Samuel was bittersweet. Can I tell you, if you just keep living as a Christian, you're going to experience the bittersweetness of living for God. I, I know you want to shout today, but there might not be no shouting after this one. Are you with me here? Why? Because all of life for the Christian is a life that's lived bitter and sweet. That's Samuel's resignation. Can I give you Samuel's reflection? Look with me at verse 6 through 13. The text says that then Samuel said to the people, it's the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers from the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, stand still. You got to circle that. Say, stand still with me. No, say it like you got an attitude. That's just how it came out. Did y'all catch it? Look at to listen to the tenor and tone of the text. Don't make it up. What? They, he just got through resigning from being their judge all of his life. And they don't want him. But now he's getting ready to set the record straight. The old man is on his way out of the pulpit. Let me give y'all my farewell speech. <laughs> he says, stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and your fathers. Then he said, y'all remember when Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord? And the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And then he says, and when they forgot the Lord, their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, the commander of the army of Hazar, into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against y'all. And then they cried out to the Lord and said, we have sinned because we've forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and Asherahs. But now deliver us from the hand of our enemies and we'll serve you. He's giving them their history, telling them where they got the, the way they act from. Are you with me here? And the Lord sent Jerubbabel, Bedon, Japheth, and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side. And you dwelt safely. And when
when you saw that Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, Samuel, but a king shall reign over us. And when the Lord your God was already your king. Y'all see that? I told you on last week that they not only rejected Samuel, they rejected God. That's why it was a sin for them to ask for a new king. Verse 13. Now, therefore, he says, here is the king you've chosen. Talking about Saul, whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. Can I unpack the station wagon? When we come to this next portion of Samuel's sermon, he reflects on all that God the Father had done for Israel. He reflects on the many times God delivered them and the many times they transgressed, Zuniga, against God after he delivered them. He reflects upon all the men that God had raised up to rescue them from other men. He even reflects on their inappropriate behavior and their constant betrayal of their relationship with God. However, the most eye-catching phrase for me in the text is when he says, Now stand still, that I may reason with you. Here's why this is eye-catching. You can't You can't misread this. See, Samuel's voice has changed. And the people were hard-hearted and disobedient to what God had done. So he then reminds them by calling roll for them to remember all that God had done for their grandparents and their ancestors. This was bittersweet. And it was bittersweet, Tate, because if they had only obeyed, they would have never had to endure such horrible consequences. But if they, and if they rather had never went astray, their journey would have not been so difficult. However, because they were a difficult people, Samuel's reflection was not a good memory for them. Is there anybody here today that be honest enough to say, your life has been a little like Israel's journey. Is there anybody willing to say that every time I didn't listen to God, he had to rescue me from something else? Okay, everybody in here all good, huh? You, your life been perfect. You ain't... Is there anybody here that can say, I know what Samuel is talking about? Is there anybody here that can say my disobedience has caused all the grief in my life? I got some stories, y'all, and and some scars to go with them. I ain't talking about the stuff you didn't know could happen to you. I'm talking about when I say I don't care, I'm going to take my chance. Y'all honest in here? See, Samuel's reflection is pointing out clearly Israel's journey. And it's sure to clarify how following God for them has been bitter sweet because of their own sins against him. Are you with me here? 
Samuel gives them his resignation and then he, he reflects on their journey in the past. But now he's going to redirect. Look, look at point number three, Samuel's redirection. Verse 14 and 15. He says, now, if you guys will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, verse 15, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Notice this, when we gather at this junction in the text, we see Samuel redirecting the people from the course that they have been traveling on with God. In other words, here he's trying to get them to not make the same mistakes that their ancestors did and that they're continuing to do today. I got happy when I read that. I said, dang, thank you, Samuel. That's preaching right there. It's me reminding you, don't go back to the old way you used to live. If God saved you from the game, retire from the... Don't get on this side and then start looking back to my went, Wasn't it fun back there? Okay, some of y'all, y'all laughing, but you know I'm right, huh? Samuel's trying to get them to change their directions. And he sets before them, look at this, look at this, Jasmine. He sets before them, daughter, good and evil choices and consequences of their blessings or their curses. He's setting it before them. But watch this, here's what I noticed, Tong. He can't make them choose but he can lay it out before them. Y'all in here? He can't make them behave, Brown, but he can tell them of the consequences for not behaving. He can't make them select the appropriate action, Jackie, but he can show them the future of what will happen if they take the wrong course. Oh, as a pastor, I wish I could make people do right. Because I don't want to deal with you after you done done wrong. Ministry bittersweet, boy. I see another picture of the bittersweet ministry of the, of the preacher right here. Look, we got the task of warning people of the danger that's to come and then warning them again if they don't choose to follow the will of the Lord. But y'all know I can't make y'all do nothing. I'm grown. I make my own decisions. And then when you make the bad one, the preacher, the first one you call. But y'all know I'm good. I ain't never told you. I told you so. But in the back of my mind, I'm still saying. I might put it on mute and be like, uh-huh. I told you not to do that. Yeah, I'm listening, daughter. I'm listening. <laughs> uh, I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. Ain't that something? Ain't that something? But have you ever, have you ever, 
in your ministry to other people? Have you ever had to warn a loved one about the consequences of rejecting God? I'm talking about somebody you discipling, right? Somebody you witnessing to, you know, you brought them to the Lord, you walking with them, and you see them making a bad mistake, Andrew. You, you know this ain't going to turn out good, right? And you try to warn them. Have you ever tried to redirect somebody from making the wrong decision? And no matter what you say, they got that look in their eye like, I ain't listening to you. Have you ever had to pour out your heart and try to get someone to trust in the Lord instead of leaning on their own understanding? And if so, then you can resonate with Samuel this morning about what it means to have a ministry that's bittersweet. Now, something interesting happens between verses 14, 15 to 16. The lesson changes. It's almost as if Samuel is in new beginnings on Sunday morning. He's preaching, but there's a glaze over some folks' eyes. In other words, they present, Sister Tate, but they ain't listening. Can I open it for you? I ain't going to make it up. I'm a what? The text says that he said, now therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Let me keep going. 17. And then he asked the question, is today not the wheat harvest? Then I'm going to call to the Lord and he's going to send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord and asking a king for yourself. Can I park the car? Now, why does he get angry and say, y'all ain't listening to me. I'm going to give you a sign that God ain't playing. So, verse 18, Samuel called to the Lord. And the text says, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord. And all the people said to Samuel, pray for your service to the Lord God that we may not die. That was some kind of thunder. For we added to all our sins the evil of, that, of asking our, for a king for ourselves. When, when I look at this text, I'm troubled in that here we see in the text that he awakens them in regard to what he said to them by calling to God for thunder. Sometimes I want to ask God to do some stuff to y'all too. They ain't listening, God. What is it going to take for them to see what you're calling us to do? But I restrain myself from that kind of prayer. But I read the text and it sure felt good. Yeah. But perhaps like most congregations, they were not willing to hear a rebuke from the outgoing preacher. Perhaps like most congregations, Brother Gray, they were not willing to listen to the old man anymore. Perhaps like most congregations, they thought his message was no longer relevant. And so what the preacher does in the sermon is give them an illustration that they would never forget. Samuel called on the Lord to demonstrate that he was still God's man. 
whether they wanted him or not. And perhaps he called on the Lord to show the Israelites that God was serious about the words he had just gave Samuel to preach. Perhaps he called on the Lord to demonstrate how near God was to them and how critically important his message is for their souls. Historians and commentators of the text says it was time of the harvest, which implies geographically it was summer and it never rained in the summer. And the harvest was in the field waiting to be harvested. And the rain and the thunder would not only threaten the crops, but it would threaten the livelihood of the children of Israel. Are you with me here? So God has to literally threaten their livelihood for them to recognize he ain't playing with you. Can I help myself in here? Have you ever been there? Has God ever had to shake you up a little bit? Where your life looked like it was on the line for you to pay attention to the sermon? Some of y'all been in some car wrecks. Well, you had no business being in the car. Some of you have been in some life-threatening situations. Well, the bullet should have just came out the chamber. But God, are you in here now? God puts his people in life-threatening situations to get your attention. Are you in here now? You don't have to get in that situation. But if you don't listen to the preacher, and the warning that God is trying to give to you, then the consequences are what they are. Can I put my weight on it right here? I still believe, Brother Nichols, that sometimes God has to do drastic things in the life of his children to get them to listen and to obey. I still believe today that sometimes God's got to reveal his power to those who forget that he has it. I believe, Sister Garcia, that sometimes we need for calamity to come out of nowhere to put us right back where we're supposed to be. I still believe that sometimes, Mother Ross, we need to be jolted into obedience instead of begged into submission. All my kids, when their mama would tell them to do something and they wouldn't obey, Sister Wilson's line was, wait till your daddy get home. And she called me and said, when you get in here, I need you to go off on so-and-so. And I'd come in the door with the belt off. Why? Because they refused to listen to instruction. And daddy had to issue corporal punishment. Why? Because they won't submit. They got to be whooped into obedience. Has God ever whipped up? A supernatural occurrence to change your mind? Has God ever demonstrated his power to show you that he ain't playing with what he said? Has God ever laid out a message for you that you just couldn't forget by showing you who was in control of all things? Then according to this text, God chose to reveal his power through Samuel that he was the God of the harvest and that without him there would be no harvest. He decided to destroy it all. They made a mistake. No, no, no. 
They sinned against God by asking for a king, by rejecting the man he wanted to be over them. And as a result, now they would suffer the consequences. The text says it rained that day. And it rained so hard that the people cried out and asked Samuel to beg the Lord not to kill him. Let me give you my last point, Samuel's recommendation, verse 20 through 25. The text says that then Samuel, after he heard them cry, said to the people, do not fear. Now you should circle that. That's a good pastor. Because I probably would have stayed back and let it rain a little longer. <laughs> Raindrops keep falling on my head. That doesn't. <laughs> then Samuel said to the people, do not fear. Look, he says, watch this now. You all have done all of this wickedness. You see that there? Don't turn aside from following the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart. He knew this would get their attention. And he knew this is what they needed to see, Brother Justin, in order to turn from their wicked ways. Verse 21. And he says, and don't turn aside anymore from the Lord. For then you will go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver you. For they are nothing. 22, for the Lord will not forsake his people. God ain't going to forsake you guys for his great name's sake because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. And then he says, and as for me, be it far from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. That's a good pastor, y'all. They don't want him to pastor and he's still caring for him. He said, but I'll teach you. I won't stop praying for you, but I'll teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he's done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Let me give you this last point and then land the plane. As we close this text, Sister Wilson, we see an amazing turn in Samuel's sermon. Samuel ends his message with a plea for the people not to be afraid after the demonstration of the power they just saw. In other words, he encourages them to never turn away from following the Lord and to serve him with all of their hearts. He encourages them to remember that they are the Lord's people. And the Lord will never forsake his people. Can, can I park the car right there? He does this, watch this, y'all, even after they've been bitter to him. He encourages them. If you didn't get nothing else, you should take that home with you. Even though the people you've been trying to minister to, you've been trying to disciple, get salty with you, you got to still be encouraging to them. Why? Because God has saved them because of his namesake. And he ain't going to forsake them. So guess what? Samuel can't forsake them. Y'all in here? I'm trying to help somebody. Say, I don't care, Pastor. I'm through. I'm through. I ain't praying for it no more. I ain't bringing him another slice of bread. 
Yes, you are. God ain't through with them. You ain't through with them. I better, I better park the car right there. Look, turn to your neighbor. Tell them, neighbor, you can't be through. Look on the other side. Tell them you ain't through. You got to hang in there with them. Thirdly, he encourages them, watch this now, with the news that though he will no longer be in office as a judge, he's going to always be praying for them and always be available as the priest to teach them the ways of the Lord. Now, you know, if that was y'all, you'd be through, bags packed. They don't want you. You've been fired. You've been asked to leave. He said, I'm going to still be over here, right over here, to teach you. Even though I'm no longer your judge, I'm still God's priest. And I'm going to be here to serve you. Let me park the car and say something right there. This ain't in my notes. That's humility. I believe that Samuel understands he don't work for the people. He's got to give an account to God. Even if the people don't behave, he got to behave. Come on in here. Come on in here. Even if the one you ministering to is salty, talking crazy, don't want to act right, you got to behave. Why? Because you're not giving account to them. You got to give an account to God. Am I making sense? That just felt good. What a sermon. What a way to get the congregation's attention to. What a way to deliver a message and close out the agenda of God. Samuel had, had made his point and he had made it well. Israel had their sinful requests for a king. Watch this now. Granted. God gave them what they asked for. Huh. Y'all hear me now? Even though they rejected God. They rejected God's man. They wanted what they thought they needed. God gave them what they needed. But it's going to be just a little while they're going to be crying out to God. Because they asked for something that ain't good for them. Be careful what you ask God for. Sometimes God will give you what you ask for. Just to teach you to ask for the right thing next time. Am I in here? Look at this. What I like about this text is the recommendation of Samuel. God had promised to be with him, with them, even though, even though he wasn't going to change their situation. You catch that tape? They asked for what they asked for. He gave it to them to teach them a lesson. And now he ain't going to change his mind. He's going to let them stay with what they asked for but he's going to be with them in this lesson. That's what I call a bittersweet coronation. Saul didn't really get to celebrate as being the new king of Israel. First of all, last week, you remember, he was the reluctant king, right? He was also rejected at the uh, anointing ceremony. So here you got two men. In ministry unto God, both of them the people don't want. 
They don't want the judge, and they don't want this king. Are you with me here? A bittersweet ministry. Israel didn't realize what they had done. It was a big mistake, Mother Ross, to reject Samuel as God's man. And it was a bigger mistake to reject God as their only king. But now they know, and they've been made aware of their horrible decision. Last question for you. Have you been in these shoes before? Have you ever made a bad decision but had to live with it? Come on, let me let that run a little bit. I have you ever wished you had done things differently? <laughs> Brother McBee, have you ever looked back over your life and seen that in spite of your mistakes, the Lord brought you through? There's several things we can learn today, and I'm on my way out, daughter Dresha. We can learn, daughter, that ministry is always bittersweet. And we've got to take the good along with the bad. We've learned today, Billings, that making bad decisions will cost the child of God some heartache, some pain, but God will never leave you or forsake you. We learn that preaching is God's business and that he uses the preacher to awaken the congregation to the things of God. Don't despise your preacher as the gift that God gives to you. I know, you, I know, you, I know he ain't your choice. You got a favorite one somewhere. But if he parked you here, don't despise your gift. Because God speaks to him to give you the instruction for life. We learned today that, 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 that God will always, and I like this right here, Sister Shirley, he'll always love his people in spite of their disobedience. Can I say that again? Because I'm writing that sentence myself. I, know, I got my name writing that sentence. Tell me if you find yourself. God will always love his people in spite of their disobedience. Did you see your name in all his people right there? I don't think you did. Let me say it again. God will always love Angelus Dion Wilson in spite of his disobedience. That, that somebody should be shouting right there. I'm so glad God ain't like some of y'all. You let somebody cross you, you be through with them. Come on, talk to me, but God ain't never through. Tell somebody God ain't never through. Never rejects them. Even when he doesn't approve of their choices. I want to shout right there. Hey, come on, help me. God, God, tell somebody God ain't through. And just because he don't approve of your choices don't mean he fired you. Are you with me? No, you got to live with what you did. But he going to live in you through it. Isn't that something right there? Hey, help me, Holy Ghost, just a little while. Finally, we can learn that the bittersweet news comes to everybody. Everybody on your row and everybody on the row behind you. 
has had to live with bitter sweet news. Samuel was impacted when he was rejected as their judge because uh, uh, they wanted a king. Samuel was impacted by a bittersweet ministry when they heard that God who rescued them was now going to punish them if they would not obey. Samuel was not, yeah, thank you, Lord. He was not able to miss out on the bittersweet, yeah, uh, things he would have to go through because of ministry. No. He still had to go through it, even with a life of integrity. Had to go through it. Every man, every woman, I don't care what color you are, what your economic class is, or where you was born, the east or the west of the Mississippi, you're going to go through bittersweetness. I was closing the text, Bruce. And I'm looking for that flashing neon sign. How do you close this sermon? And the Spirit of God whispered in my ear, even God's son was impacted by bittersweet ministry. Did you know that while Jesus served on earth, he was thrown into a ministry that was bittersweet? Some people loved him, and some people hated him. And all he did was love everybody. Samuel becomes a type of Christ in the Old Testament. So if Samuel has integrity, you know Jesus' integrity was off the charts. But even then, God subjected his own son to a bittersweet ministry trying to redeem mankind. Bible said he gave sight to the blind, didn't he? Bible said he cast out devils, didn't he? The Bible said he cured the sick, didn't he? And then they had the nerve to say he does his miracles by Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies. His ministry was bittersweet. Sister Brenda, he fed the hungry with two loaves of bread and a few small fish. But they decided not to follow him from what they could learn from him, but they followed him for the bread ministry. His ministry was bittersweet. In his final days on earth, Brother Seth, the Bible says he humbled himself unto the death of the cross. And those who once, yeah, he once served, tortured him, cursed him, laughed at him. His ministry was bittersweet. He died to forgive men of all their sins against God. He even took their place out on the cross. But men today still despise him and despise his sacrifice. He's sitting at the right hand of God, but he still got a bittersweet ministry. He died, was buried, raised back to life on the third day by his father, and men still reject him. He's got a bittersweet ministry. And it's bitter because 
no matter what he does, people don't want to get to know God. Don't want to be saved from their transgression. But not only is it bitter, it's also sweet. And it's sweet because he has done all that he did for mankind. Made in his image. Because he loves us. I can't help but imagine that it's sweet for Christ. When a little bitty church like this pulls her nickels and dimes together. Decides to send a couple people around the world. To tell other people how to study God's word. I know it's sweet for me when a couple like the Beckles decide to leave their vocations here. Sell everything they have. Pick up and plant their new lives on the other side of the world in the name of Christ. That's sweet for Jesus. I know it's sweet for Jesus when a man like Chris Garcia decides... I want to reach the least of these that nobody is going after. Stands on the corner proclaiming God's word. Then God opens doors to send him into places where men are forgotten to preach the ministry of the gospel behind prison doors. I know God is pleased. I know God is pleased when a bunch of little college students get together and say, we want to do something for God. We want to give ourselves a name, Pastor, that will stand out from other folks who ain't following him. We want to call ourselves the Army of Victory. And we're going to put on a conference so young people can know their identity and who they are in Christ because we are the new army of Jesus Christ. I know it's sweet to him. Yes! There's some bitterness that goes with following Christ. But if I can just give you two minutes and tell you, I found more sweetness than I found bitterness. Oh, it's sweet, I tell you. When your children grow up to love the Lord, take up the mantle of preaching the gospel, get married and work in the Lord's houses. It's sweet, I tell you. When dope addicts get sober, Come inside the house of God and become deacons in the Lord's house. It's sweet, I tell you. When the prostitute gives up that old, that old vocation and then becomes an usher in the house of the Lord. It's sweet, I tell you. When the gangbanger lay down his weapons and takes up the microphone and begins to preach and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. It's sweet, I tell you. Yeah, when the atheists decide I was wrong, there is a God who sits high and looks low, and his name is Jesus. It's sweet, I tell you, when a man who thought he was a woman changes his mind and recognizes I've been made a man, and I want to live my life to the glory of the gospel. It's sweet, I tell you. When a woman no longer decides that she, she don't want to be a man. She wants to be the princess that God made her and give her life to the good news of Jesus Christ. It's sweet, I tell you, when a fornicator gives up fornication and decides to get married and live life unto God in the fullness of the presence of his grace. It's sweet, I tell you. Hey. Old folks used to sing that song, Daughter Laura, it's sweet, 
Sweet I know. Dark clouds may rise. Stormy winds may blow. But I'll tell the world. Wherever I may go. That I found a savior. And he's sweet I know. Give the Lord some praise.